Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, as promised, I did make a trip up to Star Wars Weekend this past weekend and had a pretty good time all the way around. Now, I may have mentioned in the past that I had taken my older son to Star Wars Weekend a couple of times. It just worked out that timing-wise, he was able to come with me and we were able to go to Star Wars Weekend. And besides, he's a pretty good-sized Star Wars fan, so it worked out pretty well for that reason. And, you know, it just kind of happens that I go up on my own periodically And once in a while, one of the kids comes with me. As you know, that's the way this podcast works. I go up there, I collect information, I get some stuff, I talk to people, I do some things. And I try to share with you everything that I experience. Now, sometimes my kids go with me and sometimes they don't. It's just the way it works. And I know that sounds a little odd to people who come down and make a trip down here to go to to Disney World. It just works that way for me and I can get a one-day trip or sometimes a two-day trip up to Disney World. And it works out and I get some good info and I'm able to continue the podcast. So a couple of times, my older son has been able to go with me. Now, my younger son has never been, so he finally got the chance to go with me. It just worked out timing-wise that it was the right time for him to go, and he was able to come with me, and we, were, we had a good time. And he really did enjoy Star Wars Weekend, and I think it was really a good experience all the way around. He wasn't sure what to expect going in. He's not the huge Star Wars fan that his brother is, but he likes it, and he knows all the characters, certainly. So he goes in, and he's not really sure what to expect, but I think he came away with a really good experience. Now, before I get to that experience, I wanted to mention something. I've been to Star Wars Weekend any number of times over the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. I've gone a lot. Uh, I've been there a number of times. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've seen it evolve and change and morph and be different, and... You know, it's kind of funny that it's kind of evolved to a point now where, not to be highly critical of it, because I don't mean to be critical, it's gotten to the point where it's kind of commercialized or different or more, I don't know, it's, it's got something more behind it. It's not just this casual event where you go in and you get immersed in the Star Wars experience. Now it's all about merchandising and cocktail sales and doing all these different things where they're trying to sell you something or they're trying to sell you an experience or a breakfast with the characters or whatever it might be. It just feels like it's so much more commercialized than it used to be. Now, that's not to say it's bad, just different. And 
a little hard to swallow for those of us who have been regulars over the years or have kind of experienced it over the years and really seen it kind of grow and change. Now, I know that uh, they bring in these performers who actually acted in some of the films or have otherwise been involved with Star Wars over the years. And some of them are great and some of them are kind of interesting. And then a lot of them, you find out they repeat themselves over and over and over again. Some of them live locally and you'll see their names pop up every year. And that's great. I'm glad they get to come and they get to experience it and be a part of the Star Wars universe. And that's, you know, it's really good. But it's just interesting how it kind of evolved to being something where it's about these characters that come, the, the actors that come and, you know, partake in the events. And it used to be that they were out and they were, you know, they were in locations where you could go up and you could kind of watch them interacting with some of the other guests who had the fast passes to go and get the autographs. And now they've moved them kind of, kind of to an area where you really can't do that anymore. You can't just stand there and experience it. You have to have the fast pass to go and talk to them. I get it, but it's kind of different than it used to be. So there's some things that are just different about it that kind of, I don't know, bother me might be too strong a word. It's just sort of a you know, nagging doubt in my mind, I guess I would say, where it's just a little bit different than it used to be, and you're seeing, you know, seeing people come back. And while we were waiting for the parade, I was talking to one guy, and he was saying, so who are the, who are the celebrities that are in the parade? And I told him it was uh, Jeremy Bullock who played Boba Fett, uh, Ashley Eckstein, the guy who's the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, whose name escapes me just at this moment, and Ray Park was the last one. And they were in the parade, and he goes, well, you know, I don't, I don't really like any of those characters, I don't really care, and I was thinking about it for a minute, and I think, you know, he may not be in the majority, but certainly he represents a sampling of people that go out there. So what we did, instead of standing on the main parade route, where it was just crazy and chaos, right down Hollywood Boulevard there, where they have all the, uh, the people standing at, you know, the parade starts off down by the main gate, works its way up to the stage, and Jedi Mickey and Goofy and everybody get off there, as do the celebrities. But the 501st Legion and their uh, sister organization, the uh, Jedi organization, continue on the parade and come down. So you get to see all the, all the characters, all the people in cosplay dressed up and coming down the, the street. And that's pretty cool, actually, to see them all coming down. And, you know, that was enough for us. We didn't need to go down and see all of the, all of the main characters, all the people coming in. We went and saw Jedi Mickey, and we went and did some of the other things we wanted to do, and that worked out pretty well. Actually, that was fine, and it, uh, that worked for me. So it's a tip for you. If you want to see all the actors that are in it, you really want to stand on Hollywood Boulevard so you can see them come by. If you don't really care about them as much, you can go down just a little bit further, like in front of the, uh, what I was going to call it, Superstar Television, but I know it's not that anymore. It's also not the American Idol experience anymore. Uh, it's where the uh, Frozen sing-along is. If you go in that area, you can uh, actually experience uh, the, most of the parade with most of the characters coming by, and it's still pretty cool. So anyway, that kind of out of the way, we had a good time. My son and I, we just went around and we, we tooled around and watched a bunch of characters. As you walk along the streets, a lot of times there's characters out on the streets who will just walk up to you randomly. There was a great sequence with uh, two Imperial Guards and a couple of Stormtroopers who were going around and looking for suspicious behavior. And their interaction and their interplay with the guests was great. Uh, one of the guys was talking about how there was a, uh, an influx of illegal speeders in the area, and he needed to check the papers on all the speeders, so he'd stop anybody driving a scooter and uh, ask them for their papers and you know, inspect them and let them move on their way. On their way. He had uh, stopped a couple of kids who were carrying lightsabers and said, oh, do you have, a, do you have papers for those lightsabers? It was, it was just really well thought out, and the stormtroopers were pantomiming along. My son wanted to get an autograph from one of them, and he kept pushing them away and trying to move them to the side so that they could continue to do their job. It was pretty clever. I mean, I thought that was a really nice little piece of interaction there where you actually felt like you were in the Star Wars universe to a large degree. There were also Jawas roving around, and the Jawas, they would trade for things. And it was fun to watch them trade. They'd walk up to you, they'd look at something you have, and then they'd point to it and pantomime like they wanted it, and they'd offer you something in return for it. 
Sometimes it was just junk they were offering back. Like they wanted someone's cell phone and they were going to trade it off for uh, a park map. <laughs> that sort of a thing. But it was cute and it was clever and it was kind of fun. And, you know, they recoiled and they cheered every time they made a trade. And it was really, really well done. I thought that was a lot of fun. That was part of the fun experience of it is that immersiveness where you feel like you're part of the whole adventure and you're doing something while you're interacting with these, uh, these, this cast of characters that are there. And, of course, uh, there were other characters. You saw some clone troopers wandering around at times. Um, there were some of the Tusken Raiders who were standing there, and they'd do some different things, and they'd, you know, they'd try to get in your face a little bit. The Gamorrean guards, the, you know, the big green guys that carried the battle axes, they were, they were walking around and doing things. Several of the bounty hunters, other than Django and Boba Fett, were just free-roaming throughout the park. Uh, so you had Zam Wasal and others just kind of wandering around, and, and they were just playing the parts to the, to the best. It was great because they'd be standoffish and they'd be coy and they'd, you know, they kind of disappear behind something for a minute and then they'd come back and they'd have their, their uh, blasters out and they'd be standing there and they'd look at you kind of suspiciously and they'd do something. And then sometimes they'd, you know, they'd give you the, the stink eye. It was great. They just did a good job of kind of making it feel like you were actually there. Now, of course, you could stand in line to see any one of a number of characters. Uh, Chip and Dale were there dressed as Ewoks. There was, of course, an Ewok and Chewbacca, Darth Maul, Darth Vader... Uh, Boba and Jango Fett. There, there was a series of characters that rotated around through a plastic box uh, that they would uh, look like they were they were in a package. Those were pretty clever. There was also a couple of Jedi's that were out. I think when we went by, it was Mace Windu and uh, Shock T who were there signing autographs. And it was really a lot of fun. And they were all very good and well in character and doing some good things. And it was kind of neat to just stand there and talk to them and experience it with them. Darth Maul, though, had to be the best, and that's why I put Darth Maul as my new uh, image on my Facebook and Twitter uh, page, because really it was cool. Just watching him interact with people was just amazing. He was just so good at being standoffish and being tough, and he wouldn't sign my son's autograph until my son asked him properly, and it was just kind of funny how that, how that played out. And then at the end, when I wanted to do the selfie, he just gave me this look, and it was terrific. It was like the perfect moment, because you felt like you were actually with Darth Maul. Not that uh, I would know what Darth Maul is like, but certainly from the movie you get that, that experience. And I think it's kind of neat that they've taken these characters and they've brought them to life in some way. You know, Disney does a good job of bringing them out so they feel like the real characters. They look like them. They feel like them. They sound like them. You think you're actually interacting with these characters when they talk. And if they don't talk, you feel like uh, they're, you know, they're kind of in the character anyway, in the moment. And it's really pretty neat. So you can do that. Uh, there's a, there were several shows going on throughout the day. There were some stage shows for the general audience. There were some things you needed uh, a pass for in order to go into, like Behind the Force and being able to see some stories about uh, what the Star Wars universe is like. Um, also, there was uh, the meet and greets with the characters. There were a couple of previews of the movie uh, happening and different things like that. And a lot of those you need uh, the fast pass for in order to get to. So you have to get there early and be able to get it. There's also the, uh, the Jedi Mind Challenge, where they do like a trivia challenge with you, uh, and you have to sign up for that. Basically, at Rope Drop in the morning, if you go right there at the, to the desk, you can sign up for it. And then also, there's the Jedi Training Academy for younglings to go out and uh, learn how to be Jedi. And I've, I've watched this one several times, and I always think it's very clever the way they do it, because Darth Vader comes out and he interacts with the kids. Sometimes Darth Maul is there, too, and some other, some other characters. And they're there, and they're interacting, and it's really kind of fun, and it makes it kind of compelling and feels like you're actually there and watching some sort of Jedi training. And it's, it's cute, some of the patter they use and some of the things they say, because they kind of put it together in a nice way. So we're there for the day, and uh, we're hanging around, and we're watching different things happen and transpire, and, you know, that's going on for a while. And after a while, you know, you want to do some other things, and 
the whole the rest of Hollywood Studios is still open for your enjoyment. So at some point we went off and we rode Toy Story Midway Mania. We uh, actually went off and we visited, uh, got to meet Baymax and uh, Hero. And there was kind of a funny story that went on there. So the um, we got in line and we were at the end of the near the end of the line. He comes out at very specific times and he's out there for about an hour at a time and then goes back. So we were there, and the, the um, cast member told us it would be about 45 minutes from where we were standing. And we're like, oh, 45 minutes, that feels like a long time. But Baymax is pretty cool, wanted to see him, so okay, we'll wait that long. So we actually got in line, and we waited about 45 minutes or so. And we were the second back from the front, through you know, one group in front of us that was going to go see him. And he had to leave. And we're like, what? And the cast member tells us, oh, he'll be back in about 10 or 15 minutes. Well, 10 or 15 minutes turned into a half an hour, turned into 45 minutes. So now we've waited for an hour and a half for Baymax. And it's like, okay. And somewhere around the 20-minute mark of his 15 minutes, a Hero came out, and he actually came into the queue, and he was just having a good time, just having fun with everybody and talking to everybody and taking pictures and signing autographs and just being interactive. And that was great. It really did take the edge off. It didn't feel like quite as long at that point because it really was a long time we were in line. He was, he was terrific. And then... Um, Finally, Baymax comes back out. He sees the group in front of us. He sees us. He sees one other group behind us. And then he has to leave again. So apparently what had happened, Hero was giving this story about how the cat had peed on his batteries and that the battery had shorted out. But apparently what had actually happened was uh, he wasn't inflating properly. Baymax is this giant, like almost marshmallow, but he's, he's an air inflated suit that you're seeing. And it wasn't inflating properly. And I had this vision from the movie. If you've ever seen the movie, there's a scene where he goes into the police station and uh, he's standing there, and he starts letting air starts coming out of his shoulder. And uh, Hero comes over, and he takes some tape and tapes the shoulder, and then it breaks another spot. So he takes some tape and tapes the shoulder further down on the arm, and so on. And I had that moment, an image in my head where that was that was what was happening. And if you look, when I look back at the pictures, my son pointed this out to me. You can see that his arm was his right arm was kind of off. It looked like it was overinflated and kind of awkward. And uh, when he left after the, the group behind us, you could see he was kind of stumbling out because the air was deflating out of him. It was actually escaping the suit. And it was like, huh, that's kind of funny. So we don't know how long that went on after that because we left, you know, at that point and we didn't stay around to see any more. But it was uh, interesting because it was one of those quirky experiences, you know, things that happen sometimes that you don't expect. But uh, we got to see him and that was what, what really counted there. That made it worthwhile. We also went over and caught Phineas and Ferb uh, while they were there and went and saw the cars, uh, Mater and uh, Lightning McQueen, because that was kind of fun. It's always fun to see those guys. And uh, got a couple of pictures over there and went on the uh, Muppet Vision uh, and saw that attraction. Um, and, you know, there's a new pre-show there, or at least part of a new pre-show that includes the, uh, well, what's his name? Uh, the guy who's the Kermit character in the uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Can't think of his name. The guy with the funny accent. Uh, he does some bits in there. So it's interspersed with the original uh, pre-show. So it's kind of neat to see it because it's a little bit different than it had been in the past. And uh, I made a point of showing to my son something that may, many of you may not have ever seen. As you walk into the front door, if you look to the right, there's a security desk. And the security desk uh, is empty. And it says, um, back in five minutes, key is under the mat. And if you look down uh, under the mat, there's a mat on the floor. And lift it up, there's a key on the floor. It's very clever. Uh, it's one of those subtle things that the Imagineers have left for us as kind of a joke that I think is really pretty funny. Um, you know, and it's really, it, that harkens back to an old uh, Muppet p bit, but that's okay. It's still pretty clever that they included it in there and you get to see it. So that was, uh, that was pretty neat. We had some fun playing around with that and, uh, and kind of uh, having some fun. And then we were, uh, we were planning on staying for a while longer and then all of a sudden...
it was the deluge. There was a storm that just came out of nowhere at about, I don't know, it must have been about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just unbelievable. It was so much rain, we were actually back by the end of where Toy Story Midway Mini is, at the end of Pixar Place. We were standing under the overhang with about 50 of our closest friends, and the water was coming down so hard it couldn't even get down the drain. That was how hard it was coming down. You could see it coming down in sheets. It was amazing. I can't remember the last time I saw it rain that hard uh, when we were at Disney, and it was just an incredible thing. I've seen it rain hard, but nothing quite like this, where the water flow was so heavy that it was actually flooding the street a little bit. Now, as soon as it let up, it was able to take all the water out, but it was that period of time where it was just coming down in buckets. It was unbelievable. And the challenge was at that point that there was about an hour or so, you know, the rainstorm lasted for about 20 minutes, and then for about an hour or so, none of the characters came back on stage because most of the, uh, the character greeting areas are outside. So none of them came back out for like an hour. And they're supposed to stop at like, I don't know, 8 o'clock or so, so they can, you know, they do the fireworks at 9. So we went off and we tried to ride a couple of attractions. We were going to ride the Great Movie Ride. And wouldn't you know, there was a lightning strike that took the Great Movie Ride offline and you couldn't ride it. (laughs) So, you know, it was just one of those things. And we're like, okay. So we wandered around for a while and we did some other things, did a little shopping, checked out, you know, like Darth's Mall and whatever. And it was uh, interesting. Um, Again, back to that whole thing about trying to uh, sell the experience rather than just have the experience. You know, there was, there was a lot of things there where they were selling the pins and whatever. Oh, these are the, the limited edition pins. We just got them in this morning. You know, that sort of stuff. And I get it. They're trying to promote something that just feels like they're trying to merchandise it. And I saw people buying so much stuff, and that's great. You know, great for the bottom line, great for the consumer who wants to enjoy the Star Wars experience in that way. But it just seemed to me like it was much more in your face than it had ever been before. Now, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just perceived it that way. I don't know. I was kind of looking at it through my son's eyes to a degree, kind of experiencing it that way. And in doing that, I think I saw some things a little differently, uh, maybe than I had in the past. Now, that's not to say, again, that we didn't enjoy it. We still went around and we still, you know, kind of hung around for a while. And then we stayed for the fireworks. And the fireworks were fun. It was a lot of fun to watch the, the uh, Star Wars fireworks. They were, they were great. It was a good, entertaining experience. And all the way around, I think we enjoyed ourselves. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, he and I really had a good time while we were there. It was a nice bonding experience. He got to experience Star Wars Weekend for the first time. And it was, a, it was really a good time. We talked about it the whole way home, you know, just how much fun it was to experience some of the things that we saw and how funny it was with Baymax and how cool some of the characters were and just how interesting uh, some of the things were that were set up. Now, the, the couple of things that I wanted to point out about uh, the Hollywood Studios is, now there's not as much to do with the Hollywood Studios. I, mean, I don't ride roller coasters, so you know that I don't do the Tower of Terror and I don't do the Rock and Roller Coaster. So that kind of leaves me with you know, things that I can interact with is Toy Story Midway Mania, and then I can watch other things like Indiana Jones and The Great Movie Ride. I can go back and see Lights, Cameras, Motor Cars, and I can watch Muppet Vision. But that's it. You know, it just feels like it's kind of an incomplete day to me. Now, I know that they're expanding uh, Toy Story. They're building another show building, so there'll actually be two rides instead of just one, so the line should go much quicker than it had been going in the past. To be honest with you, I think we got a, we rode it twice, so once was a fast pass, um, and we waited less than 10 minutes from the time we got in line till the time we rewrote it. And the other time, we actually uh, waited in the line, and uh, we waited, oh, it must have been about, I think it was about 45 minutes the whole way through. It said 60, but it was really under. And I don't think that, you know, a couple of times during the day, the, the queue would go up and would say 85 minutes, but it never really jumped up really high. I think we walked by once and it said 120, but then it went right back down after that. 
So interesting how that how that kind of changed. Um, the other thing is, you know, it seems like the the expansion of Star Wars Land is probably going to happen. There's been no official announcement about it yet. There's been no permits filed, as far as I know, to do any kind of uh, construction work. But yet, you have that feeling that it's coming. With the growth of Star Wars and the things that are going on, you have to believe that it is actually coming. And the fact that they built Darth Maul back on a section where there used to be part of the backlot tour, you know, they've, they've actually done some construction work there. So you have to kind of think that it's coming, right? It's, it's kind of building to it, that there's some areas there that they could take over. Maybe they take over the Indiana Jones uh, part. Maybe they take over part of the, uh, the motor car stunt show. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly where they're going to move it to, but it sure looks like there's, a, there's some potential there to put something in to make it a little bit more immersive as an experience and not just about Star Tours and the couple of things that are there. They've kind of expanded out anyway, so it, you can kind of expect that it will continue to evolve. So that would be, uh, that would be my take on it. You know, and as far as Hollywood Studios, that's really all I can say about you know, what was going on there as far as expansion. Now, just to give you a taste of it, we did go over to Epcot, and we did ride on Soren, and you can see that they are building the uh, third uh, show building for Soren. So that's coming. That's, that's well under construction, even though no cast members would confirm that that's what was being built. It's being built right behind the land pavilion, so clearly that's what it is. And so it'll be interesting to see where they do with that, because that's, there's a great opportunity there to, uh, to increase the capacity and throughput on that as well. I also understand that they're going to be making the film digital, and they'll also be putting the new film in probably sometime next year, the one that they just recently finished filming, where it'll be soaring over the world instead of just soaring over California. So we'll see how that all works out. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, thing they'll do, and I think it'll work out pretty well uh, and really make it kind of interesting. Over in the Magic Kingdom, I had a chance to poke around a little bit, and I was walking down Main Street, and I noticed that at the hub, where they had done the second uh, area, so they had the, the two rings that went around the hub, one of them was closed off. The inner one was closed off. And I know they had put down grass at some point, and they were encouraging guests to use the grass. Well, the grass is all torn up now, and it's, it's uh, nothing right now. I don't know what they're going to do there. Uh, it seems to me that they're kind of changing their mind on this a little bit and maybe making some differences. But it's interesting because it's all kind of torn up, and there's different things going on, and there's all kinds of construction walls up, and there's new spires for Cinderella's Castle that are there. I don't know if they're going to be on the ground as part of an expansion of the castle or they're going to replace some of the spires there, but... Looks like something's going to change anyway. So it was, kind of, it was kind of congested again in a different way than it had been in the past. But it's just uh, it's interesting how they keep evolving it and trying to change what it does a little bit. I don't think they've quite figured out what they want it to look like or mastered it all the way yet. I think there are some other things that are still to come. And then finally, over at the Animal Kingdom, I went over to the new Harambe Marketplace, uh, where they have the food stalls. And uh, it's interesting. It looks really like it fits right in there. You would have never known that this was never there. And you could smell the foods, and they've got it all very well themed out. And the uh, signage is all appropriate and looks right and looks, you know, looks really great in terms of uh, the, the, the way it sets and the setting. And it just fits. And it really does feel like it's always been there. And everything about it is kind of cool. You know, you just walk up and it really does look like it actually belongs. So I was totally impressed with that. And hey, and the food wasn't bad either. So that's not a bad thing. A lot of different little selections to choose from and, you know, kind of quick service type things where you can get a couple of, uh, couple of meals. In the area near where the Tree of Life is, they're actually doing the preparation work. They're putting together all of the things to have the fireworks show. There's been a long-rumored fireworks show that's going to be coming to bring some nighttime attraction to the Animal Kingdom, so it looks like that's all coming together very nicely. And then on the backside, you can see the construction where Avatar Land is actually coming together. Now, I still don't have a clue what it's going to do, how it's going to work, whether this is going to have any success or merit or not, but certainly the construction continues on at this point, 
And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. There's a couple of show buildings going up that you can see and a couple of things that are being constructed. So something is bound to happen. Just don't know what exactly. So anyway, good trip all the way around. I did take my son, since I mentioned all four parks, I will tell you that we did complete the challenge. I took my son for the first time uh, to visit all four parks in a single day. My older son will be jealous, I have no doubt, because the maximum we ever reached was three. It just didn't work out that we could make it to the fourth one that day because of the things we were doing. But with my younger son, I did. So I'm going to have to take my older son back, and we'll have to do the four-park challenge again at some point. I think he'll enjoy that. I think he'll, he'll get a kick out of it. I haven't told him yet, so as soon as he hears this podcast, he's going to go, what? That's just the way it goes. Like I said, I try to take them both and be fair and do the different things with them and experience different things, but it's at the level that's right for them at that time, whatever they want to do or whatever they're interested in. He's had an interest in it, so that's what I did with my younger son. And there you go. That's sort of my Star Wars weekend slash trip report slash everything that happened over the last weekend or so. And uh, that's kind of where we are. So that's all I've got for this week, and I hope you enjoyed it. And on future podcasts, I will come back and talk about more of the countries in Epcot and give you some more history and some more detail around them. I also have a series of Disney-related news items I'd like to present to you in in the near future. So that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 